welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to episode 268 of the podcast. I'm Jessica, and I'm thrilled to be with you to bring you another Extraordinary Mom episode. So today we have kind of a full circle moment. Um, Over the last two years, I've done some episodes called Extraordinary Mom of the Month Award episodes. And one of our award winners was Courtney, who was on episode 153, and she was nominated by the woman who adopted her daughter. I love acknowledging both sides of adoption, both the strength of the birth mother and the joy and elation of the adoptive family. So today we're hearing from Amy Jackson. She is the extraordinary mom who adopted Courtney's daughter. Today she's sharing about her infertility journey, how she made adoption possible for her family. She's going to talk about her side of the story and all of this, and it is really just a beautiful testament to growing your family in unique ways that you may not have envisioned for yourself, but realizing that family is the focus and love is the focus. Can't wait for you to hear it. All right, I'm excited to welcome Amy Jackson to the show. Hi, Amy. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. Where am I speaking to you from today? I am in Cache Valley, Utah. Oh, nice. How's the fall weather? Are you starting to feel it? Yep, it's coming. Oh, good. I love that crisp mountain air. I love it. Well, I'm really excited to chat with you because I actually had a nomination from you about a year ago for our Extraordinary Mom of the Month, Courtney, and she won, and she is the birth mother of your daughter. And so now we get to hear from you. I'm just thrilled. This will be great. So for people that may not know you, Amy, will you just give a little background on yourself and your family? Sure. I um, am the mother to four children, been married to my husband for 20 years, our first two daughters were uh, fertility treatments, the result of fertility treatments, and are our biological daughters. And then the, I have a daughter and a son that we adopted. Wow, that's so amazing. And motherhood did not come easy for you, did it? Will you tell me a little bit about your road to motherhood? So I think my road to motherhood probably started actually in my childhood. Mm. Um, it's just what I've always wanted to be as a mom. I was raised in an awesome home, um, with two amazing parents and I had four siblings and I never had any like big academic dreams or career goals. I just wanted to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I got married actually pretty young and, uh, we waited on purpose for that reason. But when it came time, we finished school, it came time to start a family. It didn't, it just didn't happen. I kept trying and it never happened. And it, it had never even occurred to me, like it never crossed my mind that I wouldn't be able to get pregnant. Right. And so that was just, just kind of a shock in the beginning. But um, we managed to, with some pretty low key fertility, I was able to get pregnant eventually mm-hmm. with my first. Yeah. And so, and so once I, that I, finally I, happened, you know, was it what you thought it would be? Especially when there's that much anticipation. It took me 18 months with some intervention to get pregnant with my first as well. Yeah. And so I think 
you kind of glorify it and like even the pregnancy itself with the sickness and everything you're like I should be really thankful yeah. because I wanted this so much but at the same time you're like barfing your brains out so absolutely like, I was I felt the same way I was totally yeah. sick and I thought I'm so ungrateful but I hate yeah. this it's so hard right it was absolutely. super hard yeah and then so, once they got here and you became a mom the mom you always wanted to be what was that like it was not what I thought it would be yeah I mean there were parts of it that were more amazing than I ever imagined, but the parts that were hard were harder than I ever imagined too. Mm, So it was not, a lot of women can be pregnant and just do great and breastfeed wonderfully. I I had a hard time being pregnant. I had a hard time breastfeeding. My babies weren't good sleepers, whether that was my fault or theirs, that remains to be seen. I do know that when I went outside my biological choices I got good sleepers whatever that means your DNA just cannot produce good sleepers sorry Amy there's no way exactly I know I feel kind of the same way for sure well and I think too there's probably a myth that you know there's some women that do pregnancy well then they do breastfeeding well then they do sleeping well and they just do all the things well but really it's probably they do like one or two of those things well and chances are you are doing one or two of those things well too but you just feel the weight of the things that you're not doing well more than you feel the weight of somebody else not doing it well you think that's probably true and some women do better at uh masking what they're Mm -hmm. struggling with Mm -hmm. i kind of wear my heart on my sleeve so if i'm struggling the world's gonna know it yeah for for better or for worse yeah so how did you get through that challenging time then so um, I, I was really lucky. I had a sister that lived close by me, and she was raising a family too. So she And she was a couple years ahead of me, so she could give me a lot of pointers. And, of course, my own mother. And then I worked on friendships with other women that had children the same age. Yeah, and how did you muster up the energy and the courage and the clothing and the showering to get out of the house? (laughs) Because I think a lot of women do struggle with relationships during that initial period of having babies and finding other mom friends in the same boat. But when you feel so bogged down and it's so hard to leave the house sometimes, that's the last thing you want to do. So how did did you do that? The way that I work and the way that I can motivate myself is that if if I invite others or involve others, then – then I have a reason to get mm. showered and get out the door. So I sponsored a play group. I still remember the time. This was, you know, 13 years ago. It was Wednesday mornings at 11. Anybody in the neighborhood was welcome to meet at the park, and that's what we did. And that and that morning I would have the motivation to get out and, and meet friends there. See, I think that is so smart because you had the motivation to get dressed, but you didn't have to have the motivation to clean your house because it was at the park. So what can you do? Can you get dressed and get out of the house? Okay, then organize the park play date. If you want to have people over and that's more comforting to you, do that. Whatever works for you. But Yeah. yeah, I love that so much. And so then you went on to have two biological and then how did adoption come into play for you? Well, adoption was never never in the in the cards you know some people they get married and they kind of or even before they're married sometimes it becomes a discussion between them and their their spouse mm-hmm. and they talk about it but that was not something that we had ever discussed and but we had our second and and she came with a lot of health problems and so it was a, a little while before we started talking about having a third and I'd have to say at that point um my husband wasn't too concerned about having a third he he felt he felt pretty fulfilled with two, but I, I wanted more. I, I had loved growing up in a big family. He came from a big family. It was a big, 
I had, my dad is one of nine siblings. And so I had lots of cousins and lots of family things frequently. And I knew that I wanted that to be part of my life. And for me, two kids just wasn't what I envisioned for our family. Mm -hmm. So time proceeded on and we, of course, didn't have a ton of finances to go straight to in vitro or something like that. So we were trying the options that were a little bit more affordable. And, it, and I mean, if you haven't explored it, you, you don't know, but artificial insemination you can do for 500 bucks a pop. Mm-hmm. So you can try that a few times and, and not go broke. We had gone down that road and we had started seeing a specialist, which, you know, every time you see a specialist that kind of bumps the cost up even more and he had identified what the problem was, um, some of the risks that we'd be facing. And we were kind of just giving it time. Um, but you know, it started to be where there was four years had passed, five years had passed. And then on the, on that sixth year, when I knew my daughter was going to turn six, I knew that the gap was, it was getting too big. And I started getting really nervous and I started talking more about the possibility of adoption and And my husband was just very opposed, seems like such a negative word, but he was, he he had no interest in adoption. Hmm. And I have to say, to give him credit, he is not a bad man because he's opposed to adoption. He was an honest man with himself. Mm -hmm. He, He told me multiple times that his greatest fear is that he would adopt a child and not be able to love that child as much as his two biological children. So the fact that we already had children probably complicated the situation. And and I actually, I know it did. It did for me and for him. I felt guilty all the time for wanting more children, for thinking that I had the right to adopt when there were so many women out there that didn't have a child at all. Who was I to ask for another one? And so I battled with, with guilt all the time, whether it was because I was pestering my husband or because I was asking God for a blessing that I already had. So I wasn't, I didn't fit in with the infertile group of moms and I didn't fit in with the moms that could just have babies whenever they wanted to. So it was a hard, it was a hard time Mm. in, in my life trying to figure out what the next step was. Yeah. I'm sure that would make baby showers and baby announcements tough and it would also make hearing somebody's adopting tough. Yeah, that's an interesting place to be. And especially if you never pictured yourself in that space, you know, without that preparation of like, yeah, that's going to be my road. You kind of have to just navigate it blind. And that had to be really challenging. It was. And it was, it was hard when, you know, anyone that has experienced infertility can relate that when their friend tells them that they're expecting, you want to be happy, but there's a part of you that feels sad. So I would go home and cry and then feel bad that I was crying because I had two kids. Yeah. Why? And yet this, this burning desire, I never, never wanted something so much in my life I, and I couldn't get it to go away. The more I tried to just be like, okay, I'm going to accept that two children is my role. The more it would creep back in and I would think, no, there's, there's gotta be a way that I'm going to bring another a child into the, the world. Hmm. And that's because your kids were out there and they were just, they were, they were, they were waiting. And so tell me how you got that next baby in your arms. So, um, it wasn't simple. It was, mm-hmm. so during those years, there were so many prayers of me asking God for a child to, to come into our home. And along the way we did, we did a pretty, 
the most extensive version of artificial insemination you can do, which is one that's aided with all the injections that you do with in vitro, but they don't actually do in vitro. So you do all the, the preparation, like the progesterone shots and, and get your ovaries ready. And so it's kind of a middle of the road option. It was less risky for my health scenario and it was less financially cumbersome for us. So I did that and I ended up getting pregnant. And you know that you're pregnant in those scenarios, like almost the day of conception, because they do uh, ultrasound with very soon after they've done the insemination. Wow. So I knew I was pregnant, like when I was four days along, hmm. um, and which is a good and bad thing. You want to know if it worked or not, but the, the problem was six weeks later, I miscarried. Hmm. So that was kind of the nail in the coffin for me on those options. Yeah. And at that point, I had one of probably 55 conversation I'd already had with my husband about where we were at in this scenario. Bless his heart, he was, had to be so sick of, of these conversations because for him, every time it was brought up, for him it was a financial thing mm -hmm. more than an emotional and thing that it was for me. Yeah, and so I'm sure there's a mom or two or three listening that may be in this exact boat right now. Maybe they are going through the process of these treatments. Maybe they have suffered a loss recently, whether it's you know a loss after treatments or just a miscarriage in general. What would you tell that mom to help offer them a bit of hope and strength? It's easy for me to, to have an answer to that question right now after the fact, but I remember the day that I miscarried after putting so much effort and prayer and money time and pain it's not uh, insemination is painful um the the injections are painful all these things i was so mad that day i wasn't sad i was mad i was mad at god i was mad at the world i was mad at the people that kept tap patting me on the back and saying it's okay this is the plan i, I didn't feel like it was the plan i didn't want their sympathy I just, I didn't want to hear it. I wanted to just cry and feel sorry for myself for that day. Mm. But, and then that's okay. I would say, be angry, be sad. You don't have to share that with anybody, but go into your room and, and, and feel all those emotions. They are yours to feel. And know that eventually you will, you'll, you'll overcome those emotions. And, um, since that time, I've memorized a poem. This is going to put me really on the spot because I don't have it here in front of me. <laughs> that explains to me or explains what I feel about how I, about that situation. And the poem is called The Weaving. And I don't know who, I don't know who it's credited to. My uncle recited it once at a Thanksgiving and I, and I really liked it. And this is how it goes. My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors. He weaves steadily. Of times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride, forgets he sees the upper, and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent, and the shuttles cease to fly, will God unreal the canvas and reveal the reasons why. Each dark thread is as needful in this weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. Oh. And in that, I learn and we learn that it has to be God's will and whatever his plan is, is not our plan. For me, this whole journey 
the biggest lesson I learned and the hardest lesson I learned was that it's God's plan and not mine. Hmm. And I had to give up what I thought the plan would be before he could step in and make the real plan happen. Hey everyone, I hope you're loving getting to know Amy, but I want to thank one of our show sponsors and that is Prep Dish. You may recognize Prep Dish's name because they used to be a sponsor of our Extraordinary Mom of the Month award episodes and that means actually Amy has a subscription. But Prep Dish is a healthy online meal planning service. So many of you reach out saying you're struggling with meal planning, you don't know what healthy meals to make for your family and dinner time is a struggle. Well, Prep Dish could be your answer. What I love most about Prep Dish is not only do they have healthy meals for your family, but they also have gluten-free and paleo options if those are some sensitivities, but they have delicious meals that your whole family will love, like honey ginger chicken or turkey and zucchini lasagna. There are so many delicious options that your family is going to love. And the cool thing is, Allison, the founder, is offering our listeners a free two-week trial to try it out. So you can't beat that. So definitely give it a try if this is a struggle. Prepdish.com slash EMP is where you can go for the amazing deal. Again, that's prepdish.com slash EMP to get two weeks free of these meal plans. Give it a try. It's the beginning of the school year. You're, I know you're getting back in the swing of things. Take meal planning off your plate. Your family will thank you and you will love trying out Prep Dish. Give it a try and let me know what you think of Prep Dish. I know you're going to love it. All right, let's get back to my amazing conversation with Amy Jackson. never heard that poem but how beautiful thank you for sharing that you did do a great job your your eighth grade uh, poetry teacher be very proud of that recitation yes we've all been on the underside of the loom haven't we and it's looked different yeah. for every one of us and sometimes we look around and think well I shouldn't be feeling as much as I'm feeling about something that's seemingly small in comparison to somebody else who's going through something bigger no no <laughs> We have right. to validate our own feelings of where we are at and give ourselves grace and space to feel the feelings, but realize there's an other side to that yeah. beautiful weaving. And, yeah. oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And so after that that loss, so yeah. That, that anger that I felt was a blessing in disguise. It ultimately motivated me. Mm. The conversation we had next was, okay, our options are adoption or a full in vitro. Well, full in vitro is like, I don't know, this years have passed, so I could be wrong on my numbers here, but we're talking $10,000 plus. Yeah. And insurance isn't going to cover a dime and nobody will loan you anything because you have no collateral. Hmm. That, and same with adoption. And adoption, you're talking, if it's a private adoption through an agency, you're talking about $50,000, both of which were just out of our realm of possibilities at that point. So my husband said to me, and he's been self-employed for years, there's been a part of uh, what we do and he loves it. He loves that thrill. And I hate it. I hate the way it makes me feel. But he said to me, Hey Amy, if you want this so bad, this is what you've got to do. You can go through with the adoption stuff, but I don't want anything to do with it. I'm not, I don't have time to fill out the paperwork. I don't have, you do it. You do it all. And again, this sounds very harsh. Um, it puts him in a harsh light, but really, it was what he could do with the time he had and the finances he had. The next thing he said was, and if you want to do in vitro, we've got to start. We had talked about having a, a roasted almond business because <laughs> we do a lot of things. I know that, that sounds horrible, doesn't it? But we sell shaved ice at events, uh -huh. like football games, county fairs, 
And to go along with the shaved ice, he'd always wanted to do, uh, have you ever had those roasted almonds in yes. the bowl at Christmas time? They're yes. amazing. Yes. He said, we need to do that. And I, and he thought, bless his heart, we've had a conversation since that time. He thought for sure I'd be like, I'm not doing that. Right. No way. But instead, I was all fired up and I'm like, game on. <laughs> the paperwork will be done by the end of next week. And, and I'll start this business. And I did not want to do it. I hate stuff like that. I'm a nurse. I could go back to work and be a nurse if I wanted to, but I knew that wouldn't work for our scenario with kids. So I, so I went to work, which meant like developing a lit, a logo, a brand name, learning how to roast almonds, buying the roaster from the distributors, buying the tent so you could pop it up and, and serve at a, at an event. And, and I did it all. Wow. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And I hated every minute of it, but I did it. Watch out for and this mama. You cannot deter a mama on a mission. That is true. for certain. It's true because nothing else. Money was yeah. not my motivator. Right. I didn't. I would never have done that for money to buy something or go on a trip. Or, but for this, I knew that I needed to do it. So yeah, I got the paperwork in and I completed. And adoption paperwork is pretty extensive. The only thing Darren had to do, well, I had to interview him for his like questions, and I type it as he answered me you know, uh-huh. for his part that he had to fill out. And then he had to go get a physical. But And he did those parts and I submitted the paperwork. And this all happened within a couple months, which is pretty remarkable. It's usually a really long process. So so I got that all in and uh, here's the funny part. The, the roasted almond business was a bomb. It just <laughs> failed. <laughs> I did it all and I made... I. It was a great product, delicious, and the, the profit margin is too high, and I could go into all the reasons, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> the bottom line is I did my part, and it didn't work, which is kind of a bummer, but Mother's Day was coming up. I had, unbeknownst to me, I had just spoken my love language, my husband's love language to him, and it touched his heart, and that's all he needed was to show, I don't know why this is the part that's making me cry, but I had to show him that I was willing to do something that I didn't want to do um, to show him how much I really needed this in my life. And on Mother's Day, he gave me a certificate for an in vitro session. And I don't know, I I got the certificate and I thought, I don't know how we're doing this, but I'm going to take it and, and run with it. And that next Monday, I scheduled the appointment um, to have in vitro done. Start the process. I mean, it's a long process that I had already kind of started, but this was like the next big step for it. So we were scheduled to go in. Lo and behold, that Wednesday, we get a call from the adoption agency. Crazy. Crazy timing. And what did the adoption agency tell you? The adoption agency told me, we have a birth mom here that's picked your family. She wants to see you tomorrow. And I don't... I don't know if your listeners have listened to this Courtney's interview recently, but if you go back and listen to it, or I'll tell you, it, this happened yeah. really fast. Yes. We'll tag, us, we'll tag it in me, the show notes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She called me on Wednesday. We had a conference call that same day. No, maybe the next morning, I think the next morning. And that, that next morning when we had that conference call was when Darren finally got his answer. He got on the phone with Courtney and Courtney said, I need a, 
family that can take my daughter um, to the temple, which is part of our religious beliefs and where we could be, we believe, sealed together forever as a family in the temple. And we said, we can do that for you. And she said, and not only that, but I'm pretty sure, like 90% sure that this birth dad's going to fight you in court. And all my husband needs to hear is that there's going to be a, a fight and, and he's, and he's ready to battle. And, mm-hmm. and at that moment, um, we both knew that this was our child that needed to come into our home. And he said, we'll take her and we'll <laughs> fight harder than, than you've ever seen anyone fight. And we did. Wow. And isn't that amazing that the very things of his entrepreneurial spirit and everything that sometimes made this a more difficult road and, you know, made you have to fight harder for it to stick to your guns and everything. It's the very same attribute that allowed you to bring your daughter home. Exactly. Beautiful. And, and God knew that. Mm-hmm. God knew that Absolutely. to speak to Darren and to have him bring this daughter into his home and to latch onto her as hard as he did and as fast as he did, it had to be in the spirit of her needing a protector and her needing someone to fight for. Yeah. She needed an advocate and she needed a mom and a dad forever. And that was going to be you guys. And so, yeah, yeah, people can listen to Courtney's interview from her perspective. It was so, so powerful. And, and I think it is definitely worth recognizing the plight of the birth mom who struggles. So for every happy family that has a new baby in their home or or how old was your daughter when you brought her home she was almost four months old yeah okay so it'd been four months of attachment for courtney to then know there's there's better out there for her long term and it's with you guys i mean that is heroic that is heroic it is it It is. is and courtney deserves all the credit for listening to that yeah. that spirit that told her it needed to happen and being brave enough to make it happen. Absolutely. Because when you think about the time that she was giving birth, it was the exact same time that we were getting really making choices and making difficult decisions about how we needed to make the next step happen too. So if we both mm-hmm. hadn't have been willing to listen to that and do the hard thing, it never would have happened. So it's yeah. pretty amazing. It is. It is. Yeah. And so that became your third child. And then you yes. went on to even adopt one more, right? Yeah, which is a whole other story in of itself. Crazy, crazy story. <laughs> and so what did all of these twists and turns and having biological children and infertility and loss and adoption and a court battle, you know, all these things, how did that change you as a person and how did that change the way you view motherhood and appreciate motherhood? Well, the first thing it taught me was that we all have an infinite, absolutely infinite capacity for love. Like you, you would not believe how much room is in your heart that you, you're not even aware of. I had to have, I didn't have to have, I had automatically. And I don't know if it came from all those years of preparing and emotionally just being ready for this baby, but it took me no time to bond with, with Millie. The moment I held her, I knew she was mine. And in the same way, I had love for her birth mother, like Mm -hmm. she was my own family. And it required that love to be able to sacrifice as much as we did for the court case and for the the battle that we had to have to keep her in our home. So it it totally changed me in that way. And, And motherhood just became a completely different experience for me, one that was filled with 
so much more empathy for so many different types of mothers and situations that, that they're facing. You, you just never know what someone's story is. You, you just never know. Oh, it's so true. And when you start out, I mean, I started out the same way as you. It's like, oh my gosh, I thought I was going to be really good at this. I thought I would love every minute. And then it's like, this is way harder than I thought. Yeah. And you kind of like microanalyze every little thing about what you do and don't like. And then you judge yourself based upon it and everything. And then as you progress in motherhood, whether it's the number of children you have or just the years that you are a parent, you start to realize really the value of the job you're doing and it's not in all the details of what you were doing or not doing or what you enjoy or don't enjoy it's just really in the role you're fulfilling in the lives of these children and really what they're teaching you along the way too it's so much higher and bigger than a job description yes yes it's exhausting yeah as they age yeah you'll see that even more you know my oldest is she turned 16 yesterday and so I have and then I have a 12 year old and then my two adopted are six and three so I have kind of one in every little stage right now and um it's amazing to watch them grow and age and the and the things that you start learning from them will be even more profound as as they get older and really blow your mind as to the incredible person that they're becoming and Hmm. how much I'm learning from them more than they're learning from me I could not agree more. I could not agree more. And so you mentioned that you bonded very quickly with Millie. That was your husband's fear, that he would not be able to bond as easily as he would with his own biological children. Do you, would you mind just sharing about that experience for him on his behalf? Sure, sure. I, I think that um, his fear probably inhibited him a little bit um, when we first that first night when we met Courtney, um, he was a little bit more standoffish than I was. And of course that that's kind of natural in that the mother is the first to hold the baby in most cases. And, um, Millie had been breastfeeding. So it was really important that I get her to take a bottle by the end of that night. Otherwise Courtney did not feel comfortable with, um, Mm -hmm. placing the next day understandably she needed to be able to take a bottle Mm -hmm. so that was a really intense moment between honestly between god and me and millie i've never offered such a fervent prayer in my life when i grabbed that little baby and said come on sweet girl you gotta take a bottle for the first time and i took her outside and whispered into her ear what she needed to do and why she needed to do it and um from that moment on, we were, we were one. And so Darren didn't get to have that experience. Um, but he had his own experiences. And, and like I mentioned before, when the, when the agency called and he was part of that first conversation with Courtney, he and Courtney actually had a a very special bond from the beginning. Um, I, I think, and I I actually re-listened to our podcast and it kind of reaffirmed my thoughts that Courtney trusted Darren before she trusted me. Mm. I, I could be wrong. She may correct me on that one. I don't know, but um, he bonded with with Millie's birth mom first, and then and then he he bonded with Millie just as quickly as she as he did with our other girls. Yeah. And I would say that even our own biological children, it took him longer than than me because as the mother, you're the one breastfeeding, you're the one 
holding them first. You're, it, it's just, just, and you've been carrying them for nine months. And, and Millie, I had been carrying her in my imagination for years. Oh, yeah. I knew she was coming. He didn't spend time thinking about that. Men don't do that. Mm-hmm. But at least the man I'm married to doesn't <laughs> do that. So, but he did fine. And I will say that our son that we adopted next, he bonded to him like nothing I've ever seen before in my life. Most amazing thing I've ever seen for him mm-hmm. to have a son. And the, the bond there is extreme. Not that he doesn't. He yeah, loves his for daughters sure. immensely, but yeah, no, I understand, and I think that's really important how you pointed out that you think fear was inhibiting him, and fear can inhibit any of us. You know, how often yeah. do we go into something with our guard up, and and that anxiety and that anticipation, <laughs> expectation we set ahead of time really inhibits the potential on the other side, and and how natural or how organic things can transpire and. I've definitely experienced that in my life, holding too tightly to fear, keeping me from just experience joy, right? Right. And so I think that's a really important emotion to be aware of, not that fear doesn't have a role, but when it's inhibiting you from from joy and love, is it working for you? Is it working for you? And 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 you have to let it go. Yeah. Well, I really applaud your husband for being willing to do that and – because look at your family now. It's amazing. Yeah. So I want you to speak to that family who's struggling to to believe in the potential of their family. Maybe it's they're waiting for kids to come into their family biologically, through adoption, through foster care. Somebody I follow online um, that has been wanting to adopt their third child recently just brought home their third baby yesterday. Oh, and it yay. has been like the most joyous thing to witness to see and they've been so open about the whole process and um the waiting and the ups and downs and what it's been like for them and just the joy on the other side of feeling like you know their family did not come together in a way that they would have ever envisioned they didn't know what it was going to look like they didn't know if it was going to be boys or girls <laughs> they they had no idea how it was going to happen but in their mind today it's perfect And I believe that all of our families are as they are supposed to be. And I would venture to say you would agree with that. So speak to that mom that's, that's in the waiting phase that is struggling to hang on to that hope. Well, first I, I have to say, I know how emotionally draining it is. It's exhausting to be waiting for your family to come together. Mm -hmm. My challenge would be to try and find the joy in every day as you're progressing towards whatever goal it is in your head. The next thing I would say is that whatever that is that's in your head, I would challenge you to question that. Meaning, you don't need to question your desire to to, uh, grow your family, but question how you think that it's going to happen. Because I can almost guarantee that it's not going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. Be open to any and all options, even if you get kickback and you feel like, I had to be really respectful and careful of my husband and how far I would push things, but I was not willing to not push an option. I needed, I needed multiple options. And not only that, but I was, I had to be willing to do the things that I didn't want to do to make it happen. I didn't want to go through some of the medical procedures that I had. Um, I didn't want to start the business to try and pay for it. I wanted God to just answer my prayer and send me a baby from heaven. Why couldn't it be that simple? But it just never is. So the more open you are to different options, I think the better off you'll be in letting God 
present that plan to you. And, and I never, I never gave the, you know, the final, how did we actually pay for this? Cause my almonds didn't work. Right. You know yeah. that. Yeah. So God being the, a man of miracles that he is, uh, that same week that all those things were happening, a man here in the Valley contacted him for some contract work. And, um, it was totally out of the blue. And this guy is a multimillionaire and he asked, Darren to do some programming for him. And lo and behold, that programming happened to add to $50,000. So I don't know how you get anything more amazing than that, other than just true miracle. That is. And I've said time and time again, miracles, big and small, are happening around us literally every day. And if we're not looking for them, we're going to miss them. Yeah. So I just challenge anybody listening to look around today. Look up, look out. Look at your kids in the eyes and just marvel at the miracles that are around you. And if you are in that time of waiting, there's already miracles happening. And it may not be the miracle that you were hoping for or in the way that you thought, um, but just that proof of his love and his existence in the details of your life every single day, like that can sustain you just one day more, one step more. I've seen it in my own life and... Look at you. Look at your yeah. life. And oh. his plan, his plan, the awesome thing is, is his plan is better. Yeah, it, it is. is better. I'll yeah. tell you what, having a baby without having to be pregnant for nine months is the best thing ever. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Well, this is just so powerful. I hope people will go back and listen to Courtney's episode to hear her side of this story. But I loved hearing more about your entire motherhood journey and how it's really shaped you. I feel so inspired and just grateful for what I have as I hear the gratefulness in your story and in your voice. Um, it just it gives me chills. I love it. And I will be thinking about that Weaver poem all day. Oh, yeah. love it. Well, thanks for letting me share. It's my pleasure. Um, I always ask my guests one final question. You're a listener, and I just love you for listening to the show, and I appreciate it. So you know better than anybody, I always ask my guests this one final question, and it's this, Amy. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? This is what I would tell her. I've had lots of time to think about this. (laughs) I would say it is going to be way more awesome than you could ever imagine. And those times are going to be fantastic. But it also is going to be harder than you ever could imagine. And those hard times will refine you and they will mold you into the woman that, that you can become and that you will become. The key is to grasp onto those awesome good times, the highlights, the fun times, and then to take the hard times and, and roll with, roll with those and become what you know you can become. Thank you, Amy. I think you are truly an extraordinary mom. You have four lucky, lucky kids that get to call you mom. And it's just a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Jessica. Wasn't that amazing? Oh, Amy is just so extraordinary to me. And I loved hearing about her journey and hearing how much she learned from these challenges she experienced. I would venture to say many of us would not choose the challenges we've been dealt, but then we would also not choose another person's challenges either. Challenges are part of life and part of what make us human, part of what help us to grow. Her family is so beautiful today and while she may not have envisioned this is how it would come together and definitely how her husband would not have envisioned that look at her now and Courtney's family has now grown as well and it's just a beautiful beautiful testament to the power of love 
and following your heart. Thank you, Amy, for sharing on the show today. You can head over to ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com for pictures of Amy and her family. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at JessicaDalquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Coming up this Friday, I'm going to have just a one-on-one episode with you talking about some thoughts that have been on my mind, and I hope you will definitely tune in for that. Make sure you're subscribed so that you never miss an episode. I'm so grateful to be here every week bringing you these episodes, sharing these extraordinary women. Be sure to reach out to me um, on social media, DM me, or you can email me if you are interested in submitting a name of an extraordinary mom that you know. Thanks for tuning into the podcast today, everybody, and we'll see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.